What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I am Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and we are coming from we are coming to you live from the Duck Camp on Wheels, the old Duck Bus. I got Dad with me. How you doing, Dad? Tired, <laughs> tired and worn out, but a good tired. <laughs> yep, definitely. So um, we guys, we are gonna. I guess I'm tired too. Can't get my words right, but <laughs> we are going to share with you guys all the adventures and and stories from our first leg of the chase in the opener up here, UP Michigan, the the last weekend of September, the earliest duck openers around us, and uh, yeah, excited for that. But before we jump into that, let's get a quick word from our partners. And we'll get to the main meat of the podcast. So, first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx, guys. Onyx has been crucial in our success this weekend. Um, tracking the boat paths is something that's awesome in the app. You just push the track button, and it, it lays a track exactly where it go. Puts it down by GPS, satellite, whatever the technology is, <laughs> and it... Uh, uh, gives you an accurate way to get back to your place. Um, and in the dark, it would be near impossible in some of these big public land marshes. But aside from that, um, public land, private land, you can knock on doors and uh, private land and, and get that tax owners, the landowners tax information, go to their house, knock on the door and get that permission. So all around, guys, it is an awesome app for waterfowl hunting. also like to give a big thanks to final approach guys final approach is the one-stop shop for waterfowl hunters they have everything from camo from uh, decoys blind bags um, our whole set this weekend we've been running the the final approach decoys um, we got the mallards with the flocked head uh, we got the fully flocked black ducks um, we got their new wood duck decoys which are awesome um, so check them out guys they have everything you need as a duck hunter also like to give a big thanks to Motion Ducks, guys. Motion Ducks helps you on those no-win days. It is a jerk rig on steroid. You put it out there, it sets up in minutes. You can go with the single or you can go with the ultimate. The single has four decoys. The ultimate has seven. Um, they both do awesome at adding ripples through your whole set. Um, so check them out, guys, and use code DUCKGUN2020 for 10% off over there. also like to give a big thanks to um, Tetra. Tetra hearing, guys. Uh, when it comes to hearing protection, Tetra is top of the line. Uh, you can uh, um, wear them in the field, and you won't notice the difference. Um, you'll still be able to hear your buddies. You'll hear the mallards' wings whistling, um, all that good stuff. But when the gun goes bang, they kick in and keep you from having hearing loss. And that's something that uh, we definitely don't want, especially as waterfowl hunters. As many times as our guns go off, it is super important. So check them out, Tetra. Also, guys, make sure you check out the Freelance Hunt Stats app. Um, we've been uh, using that to track our stuff for the last few years, and it is it's great. Elliot and I have been working on it, trying to improve it every chance we get, uh, little things. And this year, something cool we added is the leaderboards. So um, right now is perfect time to jump on there and start journaling and tracking all your hunts. You can track the weather. You can track the harvest you, you get through the year. You can check you can track all the locations you hunt, and it's just really cool to see kind of the end of the year, a good, you know, a top view of everything you've uh, gone through, and then years to come is always going to have that data for you. I'd like to give a big thanks to Weatherby. You guys have been running the Weatherby 18i shotgun, the 20-gauge, and that thing is phenomenal. Alrighty, let's go ahead and jump on into the main meat of today's podcast. So, 
How you feeling, Dad? Well, like I said before, I'm tired, but it was uh, it was worth the experience. <laughs> we had we had a really just an enjoyable time. That's that's it. When we'll talk about the duck numbers, and we're not going to impress anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh, as far as um, shooting limits and all that. You know, maybe a, a little bit of a humbling experience, but um, you'll have that in duck hunting. If you hunt long enough, you're going to have times where. Uh, um, you have to live by some of the words you say, you know, it's all not always about the numbers and all that. It's nice to have the numbers, but I do think that this weekend is one of those times when you can especially feel like that's true. You know, we had, we had a lot of fun, but we didn't just pile up the birds. So, um, but we should probably start kind of at the beginning and, and kind of share everything we, uh, we've gone through cause it was, <laughs> it was a lot. So first podcast. If you guys missed it, we talked about the scout and all that and, and kind of our prediction, predictions leading up to the first hunt. Um, we, we did that right there at the campfire um, of you know, the night before the first hunt. So if we hop into kind of the storyline right right from there, uh, man, we made an early start um, getting out there. Uh, we, we had a spot we thought was going to be um, the bee's knees <laughs> with the number of birds we saw in it and um, so we got out there really to kind of secure the spot. Um, we were already at the campground, so it's like, you know, are we going to sleep a couple hours or just go? And so, uh, we kind of opted out or opted into just going. So we ended up, uh, excuse me, ended up jumping in the boat and I think it was about 11 o'clock. We went out to the spot and, and, uh, <laughs> I, I told you dad that you, you have to experience it once the sleeping <laughs> out in the marsh. And so, um, was it all that it that it uh that I made it out to be um yeah I guess it was I mean it was certainly a very unique experience um I don't know that I'm all right you know sometimes you do something you're like oh man that was great I'm gonna do that again and again but I don't know if I'll do that (laughs) again and again (laughs) you know we we talked about I think we talked about this in the previous podcast that the spot that we wanted was um, we just had such high expectations for it, and part of it was we we didn't want to take any chance of somebody taking that spot. We didn't think anybody else knew about it, but we couldn't be a hundred percent sure. Yeah. So, so that's why we we took off before midnight, well before midnight, to get out there and spend the night. Yeah. The three of us trying to sleep on. <laughs> boat <laughs> i wish i would have got a picture of it or a video or something <laughs> but uh you know i was already laying down i think i was probably the first one to 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 pass out and and i thought you know as i was about to fall asleep that i should get a picture because you're laying across the middle bench <laughs> with your legs hanging off the edge of the boat and then uh brandon was on the bow which is even smaller <laughs> with his legs hanging off and i'm laying like surrounded by decoys in the on the bottom of the boat because that back bench had the blind across it and the mud motor so i just had to um lay down in that bottom hole and and i kicked my legs up over the decoys so none of us were uh especially comfortable but um for that kind of setup in the marsh surprisingly i think we slept pretty well (laughs) eventually yeah i at first i felt like you fell asleep pretty fast because I could hear I, you can tell by somebody's breathing whether it's awake or asleep, right? Yeah. And it was really just a few minutes, and I could tell you were asleep. 
And I kept moving around, moving around. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't get comfortable. At I told all. you, I told you at one point we were going to have to get you a separate boat because yeah. you kept waking me up with your, your squeaky waiter right. boots just so, squeaking together. <laughs> and when you said that and I knew you were awake, I'm like, I'm going to make a drastic change. So I, I did a 180 so that my head was where my feet were before across that middle bench. And then my legs were up over the, the, the blind that was kind of, accordion folded up on that side and that made it a lot more comfortable because the the edge of the boat was just laying across my calves and that made a big pressure point so so <laughs> as soon as i turned around and i'm thinking okay i think i found the comfortable spot then you were wiggling all over the place <laughs> <laughs> I, I just stood up i think and kind of gave up on it so <laughs> right. for a little bit but then at one point it was kind of funny i never said this i was gonna say it but so I'm laying there trying to get comfortable enough to fall asleep, and that's not easy for me. And all three of you others, you and Brandon and Chief, were snoring. <laughs> and I'm laying there with my eyes open, thinking, how am I ever going to go to sleep? Yeah, and you're like, we got six hours till, till shooting line. I'm going to have to sit here and suffer. <laughs> so, yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's... It's an experience, like I said, but it's like not something that you really want to do is sleep out in the marsh, especially like where we're at. Like there's, we're in the water. So if you get out, you're just in knee deep water and then there's cattails around you. There's just nowhere to get out of the water at all. So you have to either be in the boat or stand or stand or standing in the water. Yeah. yeah. Or, or I made the joke where we should uh, buy in, inflatable pool rafts and blow them up and, and sleep on those. And it would, you know. It'd be more comfortable than the boat, but really not, really not that feasible. So, yep. but yeah. So anyhow, um, shooting light. So finally, um, we sleep for a while and we wake up probably about five o'clock. And we're like, okay, we should probably get in position and set up and all that. Well, let's even back up a little bit. You know, we thought that we'd get out there at eleven thirty midnight, and you know, decide where we're going to set up, where we're going to throw out the decoys and all this and we really thought we'd hear a lot of other boats coming out and we know that there was some but we heard very few coming out anywhere near us right but yeah. the, except for you could hear some way in the distance you can you can hear the motor but only one or two came past our channel it seemed like yeah it ended up being more than that by shooting light but um which it's just hard to tell it's such a big area and there's boats going all over the place. And, and we did have, like I said, a couple that came like right by us. You know, <laughs> that main channel was like 75 yards off our little secret hole. And uh, so boats would go right by that. But, um, yeah, no, it was definitely, definitely, a, you know, a little a little, uh, <laughs> a little weird being out there and, and all the boats, just everything. So, yep. um, but, yeah, shooting light, jump into that. Um, yeah, as soon as shooting light went off, man, it was, uh, you know, it was just guns and blazing. And, and, uh, I think I said this in the last podcast, but Michigan, I feel like Michigan really knows how to travel well for their openers. I mean, there was so many people out there. I don't know if I've ever been anywhere and, you know, from, from Kansas to Iowa to Michigan to other parts of Michigan. I mean, that this might have been the most hunters I've ever seen in one area. And it was a big public land area, but it was still just a, a ton of hunters all over the place. And we'll kind of get, to, when we talk to the evening, it was uh, even more apparent than it was kind of 
when you're one of the first boats out, you don't really see everything, especially when you're tucked away in a little hole. But, um, yeah, guns blazing, all that. And, um, as it turns out, <laughs> our little secret spot little money spot, um, really didn't pan out as well as we thought it would just with kind of being surrounded by hunters. It wasn't long that the mallards were pretty wary flying high. And I think the majority of ducks that were getting shot in the marsh were wood ducks and divers and, and small ducks and teal and that kind of stuff. And, and the more wary ducks were just, I mean, it, this wasn't their first rodeo guns a blazing. They started flying high and they weren't coming. They weren't even coming to look at our set the same way that, they would have, you know, if we would have gone in with the same scout on a weekend where it wasn't 40, 50 boats in the marsh, I think that, uh, we probably would have had a different story to tell, but <laughs> they just weren't doing it. Yeah. So, um, we did have a spoonie come in real, I mean, about as good of decoys you could ever hope for. I mean, 10 yards cupped in. I hope I got it good on camera. Cause that was pretty cool. Um, the teal did it about the same way. Um, but yeah. As far as numbers, I would say <laughs> probably a little bit of a humbling experience, kind of with, especially with uh, what we kind of predicted and all that. So um, definitely some lessons to be learned on a couple fronts on there. Yeah, but, you know, we talked to a lot of people, too, and I feel like based on what everybody else was saying, I'd say we did pretty average because we talked to people that did a little better than us. And we talked to people that did a little worse than us. Sure. And, uh, you know, it feels like we were about in the middle. And um, for the most part, everybody you talked to was disappointed in the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And I guess I don't really base it off of everybody else, you know. Um, I, I kind of, I feel like when we put in the work and do the scouting, and we put we put 16 miles on the boat, you know, going around and pinning spots and you kind of hope to be on the upper end, you know, as far as you don't want to be, you know, average or below. So for me, I would say it's a humbling experience on the number side of it. And like, uh, we do want to say like, it's not all about the numbers. We always say every single podcast, but at the same time, you can strive to be the best hunter you can be, you know, from your setup to your hide, to how well you shoot, to your scouting and putting yourself in the right position. And when those all don't come together, you know, I always try to take away the lessons I can learn and, and all that. And I always want to be the person when, when they get done talking to their, oh, well, he did better than average. Or, he, you know, I don't want to be like on the other end of that. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's uh, unfortunate. But uh, like I said, we still had, we still had a, a ton of fun. Um, great company between um, you and, and Brandon as well. So um, definitely a lot of fun. Uh, and there's... Nobody else I'd rather shoot a small number of ducks with than you. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, and you, people say it, and sometimes you think, oh, well, that's not really true. But just to, you know, to go out and have the experience, I guess a skunk wouldn't wouldn't be very rewarding. But <laughs> shooting two ducks, even just two ducks, it's it's rewarding. Yeah, yeah, that definitely helps. Uh, it helps take the the sting off of it. Right. So we had some, some ducks decoy. We're in duck season now. Um, and then, so yeah, so we, we hunted for a few hours and then we kind of got out of there. It was just slow. I mean, there was groups just banging away. And one thing I will say is, um, some of the people we talked to, 
you know, aren't the avid, avid waterfowler. And I think that's just kind of a common thing for openers. Uh, people kind of do openers as a tradition. And so one thing I could see, especially with the pressure and number of hunters, I just, I just have to point this out because I mean, there were some people who were majorly sky busting, you know, right. it's like, you'd see them and, you know, in Arkansas, they call it tree topping, but you, we're here in a marsh. Um, and if there were trees, it would have been like double tree topping or something. I don't know what the, <laughs> the term would have been, but, um, so we, we definitely saw a lot of that, which doesn't help with the, the pressure. And it is really hard to gauge with the number of shots how successful people are being because of that. But there was a lot of shots going off and I, and, you know, kind of to put a whole lesson, a lesson in this, a lesson learned from this opener, um, would be, well, two, I got two. So, um, Elliot will probably be glad to hear about me and my hate for the, the boat blind, because we did have some birds come in and they looked and I would say they weren't fond of our boat blind. So, it's hard to know 100% because by the time we ditched it and we ditched it um, and I moved the boat and we got in the cattails and stood in knee deep water and just like put our ammo in our pockets, held our guns and just didn't have anything else with us. So that was kind of our, our backup plan um, for, I, I felt like the birds were flaring off the blind. So if we didn't have the blind from the get go, I think we would have uh, probably shot some more birds. Um, but to, to that point, um, I did feel like it was brushed in really well. We just used gra- grass mats on it, um, and but the surrounding stuff was green. Um, from my experience with A-frames, like A-frames in a field, you can put just grass in it, and if it's really well brushed in, the birds can't see you, it won't matter the color. So I don't know if it's different in the marsh with boat blinds. I think I do need more of a sample size to know, but I don't know if I ever will because... Um, I feel like I completely turned myself off to the boat line um, from this experience. And I've kind of gone back and forth on it. Elliot's not a a fan of it. So um, when he listens, I'm sure he'll put his two cents in on the next podcast. But but we also got guys like uh, that we've had on before, Phil Conkey in the right area. And he does hunt cattail marshes and and all that. And maybe he's just got a way better setup than what mine was. But also, you know, across the marsh, everybody was running boat blinds, just everybody. I don't know that there's very many people that weren't, so that we saw at least. Um, but that being said, I think I would, if I came back to this spot, I would make a plan, whether it's bring like a canoe um, so you can stand in the cattails and put the canoe behind you that you could fit in the big boat um, or like Elliot does, they'd take the canoe and they'd find a, They'd, they'd take the kayaks in the boat and find a place to lay out on or, or whatever. There'd be some different options for, for different hides, but I didn't feel like it was an overwhelmingly successful way to hunt, but it seemed like that was the status quo here. Everybody had boats. Um, a lot of people had them brushed in with green, so maybe that helps. Um, and some people had permanent hard blinds and all that, but, um, definitely a lesson learned. I'd, I'd say that I'm, I'd probably, uh, I'm, I'm less of a fan today with, um, boat blinds than I was in a, in the past. Um, the second lesson I learned, so I think we talked, I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or we talked about it in person, but, um, with our two options, we had two, we narrowed it down to two spots. I probably pinned 15 spots over those 16 miles we covered, but there was two spots and they were very different. One was a big open cove off, off the shoreline. Um, and it had like grassy habitat, cattails and, um, wild rice and smart weed and all kinds of food and vegetation and the ducks loved it and we went in that one cove and there was more ducks there than any 
anywhere else we saw. And it also had a lot of mallards, um, a lot of small ducks too, divers, wood ducks, teal, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we thought, you know, that's probably going to get hunted by three or four groups, you know, an opener. Uh, it was a big enough cove that they would fit in if you put everybody 150 to 200 yards away, which is not preferable, right? But that's the nature of openers, um, especially in high pressured areas. So we kind of opted away from that. We went to our little tiny hole um, that had 30 mallards in it and we're hoping that the mallards would come in. So we kind of, we kind of uh, hedged our bets on mallards and we put all our eggs in the mallard basket. And when the mallards didn't show up, well, nothing else was going to come in there. So I think if we went to one of those coves, the mallards probably would have still been wary, like, like we thought, or, or like they were not like we thought, but like how they actually ended up being, but all the other ducks, the divers, the wood ducks, all that kind of stuff would have worked in really well. And we probably would have had a, a pretty good hunt, um, with those, those ducks coming in. So, um, and maybe the mallards would have worked in that cove, who knows, but, um, you know, that, I guess that would be a lesson I learned as well. So, uh, to try to, try to, go for the variety next time instead of putting all that on one thing. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I need more hunts and more, <laughs> more time to tell on that exact thing. But that's kind of my thought afterwards. Hindsight's twenty twenty that we would have uh, done better in that cove. So you got any lessons you learned dad or anything you want to add to kind of the, the opening day there? No, I can't really think of any. You know, I felt like we we kind of learned those lessons together because every step of the way we we said, "All right, you know, where what 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 should we do? What's going to be our best bet?" And we discussed it out. And, sure. And that and we made our decisions together. And um, you know, from the standpoint of timing and location, uh, I you know nothing other than than what you already said. Yeah, I can think of. Yeah. So we did go out for an evening hunt and, um, <laughs> this is where it got crazy. So to kind of put the numbers in perspective, so we went out and we kind of took our time. Like we weren't trying to just hunt all day. Like we said, we wanted to have some time to, to relax and not feel like it was just complete rat race. And we slept all night we or took, in the boat. So we took, we took our nap. Yeah. We, we took a nap because the sleep wasn't great in the boat. Yeah. Night, so. Just, you know, you, you want to kind of keep everything up so that you can hunt the next day and you can travel home and all that. There's just a lot that goes into two hunting trips, especially like a weekend trip where it's just like extended weekend and it can go by quick. So you just, um, that's, that's something I've learned in the past, not just go 100% the whole time. You got to take those, you got to take those naps. Maybe I'm getting old, but, uh, <laughs> at 33, you got to take those naps, I guess. And, and you're at 61. So I'm sure you, you appreciate those naps too, but, yeah. um, yeah, so we went we went to the local diner, we went to uh we took our naps and we got back out there and I think we got out there about four thirty and our goal was no four o'clock. We got out, we started got in the boat and our goal was to be out there by four o'clock and set up by five o'clock and hunt the last two and a half hours. Shooting light ended at uh I think it was like six or seven twenty six or something like that. So um or seven it was seven twenty eight. Yep. Something like that. So um so that's what we did. Um, but we got out there and it was just like boats everywhere. And we went back and counted. I mentally went back and counted. And every spot that I had pinned, we went back to that cove that we said we probably would have done better in the beginning. And they were just busting away. We came in there and they're just 
busting birds away. We're leaving. They're shooting again. And, and so there was two groups in there and we didn't want to be, like we said, there, we thought that possibly three or four groups would set up in there. Well, we don't want to be the third or fourth group. So we, we headed out of there. Two groups already in that cove and we just kept going down, you know, plan B, there's a boat in there. Plan C, there's three boats in there. Plan, you know, we just kept going. Every spot that I'd pinned that was possible to set up with correct wind, there was a boat in. And we went to 12 different spots I had pinned, and there was a boat in every single one. So <laughs> eventually we kind of got back close to where we, we hunted in the morning and did find a spot to kind of set up on. Um, but as far as I remember, we ran into 12 boats in the marsh for the evening hunt um, that we that we personally saw. So, um, yeah, we set up for that evening hunt, and it wasn't long, and we had a pair of wood ducks come in, and we cleaned those up quick. And, and uh, yeah. It was like less than five minutes from from setup it was just almost as you got back to the spot we sat in your chair and they were in front of us and uh they they kind of it was so quick that they kind of cruised by the first time a little bit too high to shoot at a little too far out in front of us too yeah yeah so you called adam this is the the spot that pe- the thing that people like to argue about, but they've buzzed by and you called and called and called and they did a U-turn and came right back, right back to us. <laughs> yeah. So I, and I'm still on the fence whether calling works for wood ducks or not, but I still do it. And sometimes they come or would they came anyway? I don't know. They came right in front of us, swing out a hundred yards, came back in while I called and came to the decoy. So that time, particularly it felt like they came to the call. But there's times where, and most times it feels like they don't. So who knows? I don't know. But uh, we we did have that conversation with Brandon. I wish he was here to kind of give him a little bit of a hard time. But uh, since he's not, we'll just keep it serious. And, and uh, you know, uh, my, my point was, he asked me, do you think you can call wood ducks? I said, well, why would they have vocalization if it wasn't to communicate to other wood ducks? And so makes sense to me, but... Who knows? Do they actually come to the call? I think if we did a pool, it'd probably be about 30, 40% of people say yes, and 70 to 60% would say no. Um, and for me, personally, the jury's still out. So, um, But yeah, so at that point, we probably we thought the evening hunt was going to be pretty good. You know, we did hear people firing across the marsh, but with that many boats, you know, you're bound to hear gunfire. Um, whether people are sky busting or shooting ducks in the decoys, you don't know, but <laughs> um, it keeps things interesting. Uh, and we did have one flock of widgeon um, working pretty good, and then our shooting didn't uh, didn't didn't help any. So, um, but after that, that was uh, that was uh, the evening hunt. So we got back to camp, set up, and how are you liking the duck bus? This is your first time. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast the first part of the series. We didn't talk about the duck bus, but this is your first experience in the duck camp on wheels. So what do you think of it? I, it's, I like it a lot. I mean, um, I did a lot of driving on the way up Thursday night, drives nice, pulls the boat nice. Um, you know, and we're, we're on a, you know, main highway, 75 mile an hour speed limit and cruising right along. It's no problem whatsoever. And you know, it sleeps well. So (laughs) yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's convenient for those of you guys who haven't haven't seen it. I'm sure most people have seen it and heard us talk about it enough. But I turned the third 
the table into the third bed. So we got the two bunks. And we got the bed. So I'm sleeping on the bottom bunk. And you're sleeping on the table the bed. Man, I being the old man, I got the nice bed. So thanks for that. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> not a problem. I I don't mind the bunk beds. They're 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 narrower than a normal bed, but uh, I mean I've just kind of got used to it. I really like that bottom bunk. You're almost like you're in a little uh little hole. It just away from everything. It's kind of dark. You put your blankets on, warm up, and uh, yeah, it's just nice. You know, it's like we just pull into the campground. You see everybody else out there setting up and putting up canopies and putting up tents for their tables and putting a tent to sleep in. And we just pull up, whip around. I'm like, all right, camp set. <laughs> all we got to do is nothing. It's just, it's ready to go. So that's the camp, the, the main thing about the, the duck camp on wheels is just nice and convenient and go wherever you want and, and, uh, get after the ducks. So, so here's the other thing about the bus. So you probably wouldn't say this, but I'll say it for you. <laughs> sure. So you're cruising along in the bus, and some guys with a truck and a boat coming behind, they'll they'll pass, and they'll slow down, and they'll get even with you and honk their horn and give their thumbs yeah. up. And, <laughs> and, you know, you you get into the camp, and, hey, I know you. Yeah. You're that, you're that <laughs> duck gun guy. <laughs> we did so, see that and get that a lot. You so, stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> I, I didn't count, but I bet you it was four, five, six times where somebody came up to you and said, hey, I watch your YouTube channel. Yeah. I listen to your podcast all the time. Yeah, definitely got that. And you, you, we had some kids and uh, some younger guys, I should say. Definitely not kids, but yeah. <laughs> younger than me. And uh, him and his buddy, and, and one of them yelled, bus. And then he, the other kid didn't, you know, he's like, school bus. You know, like, and it's like, it's kind of weird to see a school bus in a campground. Um, because it, the, the duck bus is still school bus yellow. And, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, his, his brother, I assume his brother looked alike, uh, knew, knew that we were, uh, you know, duck and chronicles or whatever. So yeah, it is definitely cool going around. And like I said, we talked about in the last one, there's just so much tradition in Michigan and I really, you know, it's, uh, uh I don't know what's the right words, uh, like I claim Michigan is like a, a second, second home, my yeah. second home state or whatever, even though I don't live here, I just hunt up here so much. And, um, so I just, I don't know. I just love the people and love the tradition that, that Michigan has. And, and there's just so many, you know, cool people we ran into and got to talk to even people who didn't know who we were. It's just like, um, you see guys in camo at breakfast at the diner and everybody's like, Hey, how'd you guys do? And, you know, back and forth and all that. So it's just, it's just real cool to see. And like I said, Michigan really travels well for their openers. Um, whether you think that's a good thing or not, you know, maybe uh, the UP locals wish everybody would stay down south or or what. But uh, um, it's definitely cool to see. So, um, but yeah, second day. We got out for the second day and, and we kind of had our options. And we thought about going back to the marsh, but um, <laughs> here's the negative of Michigan traveling. So, so well, there's just so many people going back in the marsh. So, um, we decided uh, to hit up some public ponds um, that we had scouted on Thursday. So we went into the marsh, and Brandon was coming in a little bit later than us, not much. So, But we wanted to go at first light. So I, I sent him some pins of some ponds that I'd been uh, looking at on Onyx in the area. So he went up and hit those up and, and did see ducks working those and, and dropping into these ponds. So that was kind of a, a, a plan we had um, to, to potentially hunt. And so... That's kind of what we decided for today, just with uh, 
it seemed like a hit or miss where we're going in the marsh and it wouldn't be much different on these ponds. Uh, we'll say probably the downfall to that plan. Uh, and we didn't know, we didn't know what to expect. It just seemed like so many people in, in the, uh, in the actual, uh, marsh that we're hoping that nobody went and hunted these public land ponds and opener, but we did find shotgun shells. So it was probably somebody hunted it on Saturday. Um, but anyways, we went up and set up on these ponds for opener or no, not opener the second day of opener. Um, and sure enough, first light, here comes a wood duck and lands right in the set. And, uh, we, we, uh, got that one pretty quick and chief ran out there, shallow mud and <laughs> pretty impressive retrieve. So just get, I don't know what it is about a dog. Everybody's going to say that's impressive when it's their dogs, but <laughs> you just love seeing your dog get out there and get all excited. And he's just getting after it, jumping through the mud, leaping through it and, and snatches up the duck, which still had its head up. We're, we're a little worried that it might be crippled and try to get away, but he just grabbed it up real nice. Um, and then we did have some other birds working us. And there was another group that set up on a pond, probably 150 yards away. There's just like, these little pothole ponds out here on public land. Um, and so they were shooting away too. Um, and then kind of the cherry on the top for, for this hunt was we had that group of widgeon come in and, um, it was six or seven. They just did it really, really well. And I'm 50, 50 on whether I called the shot too soon or too late. It's just, it was, they came in and they're coming on the right side of us and we were pretty tucked into these, this, this brush and if they would have got over top of us, we really wouldn't have had a shot. So I couldn't tell if they were going to last minute cut right into the decoys or fly on out of the pond over our head. So I called it there about at 25 yards swinging off to our right. And I mean, locked up coasting. Um, and right, you're right. They were coasting because I was on the right side. So it was three of us and we were three to five yards apart and I was all the way to the right. And I could see them coming, and they were like you—you you call it maple leafing. They were, you know, they had their wings fixed, and they were back, you know, they yeah, were rocking just, back and forth, just beautiful. Yeah, but they were all the way to the right. They were to my right. Yeah, and we had a really good hide, and there was this—I don't know what kind of a tree or bush it was, but it was up over me and to my right. So I had to kind of lean to get, you know, I wanted to shoot my lane, so I'm looking for the rightmost one or two birds, which meant I kind of had to lean to my left to get around this bush that was going up. So, Yeah, yeah, it would have been like, it would have been perfect if they just, it seemed like the bottom three wanted to land and the top three wanted to keep going. So it was like, you'd see them, they're going to finish. No, they're not. They're going to finish. No, they're not. And so right there at the last second, before they had a chance to get out, I'm like, all right, this is our last chance for all three of us to get a shot. Either that or they're going to land to the right and... Yeah, so I call the shot, and um, I knock one out of the sky, and that was that was about it. So um, we we yeah. had some misses. <laughs> yeah, and so I was. So what happened there was, so I was trying to get the one bird farthest to the right, and I leaned, and you know if if you lean to the left, sometimes you got to step back. Well, I went to step back, and there was a a little root ball of one of the bushes there and my foot was stuck on it. So I'm shooting almost straight up and to the right and I'm starting to fall. And 
Just, yeah. I mean, it was like simultaneous with pulling the trigger, my body starts going backwards. Yeah, I, I, I saw you hit the deck, and I was like, I, I had no idea what was going on, but you just fell into the bushes backwards. So I can't, t- I don't know if I totally missed or if I winged that one, because somebody said it looked like he wasn't flying right after that, and he went over to where those yeah. other guys were. Yeah, we had one that, that took some BBs, and uh, he ended up sailing over to that group 150 yards and, and uh, swinging in their decoys. I'm sure they thought that their spread was awesome, and it just yeah. pulled... Sucked them out of the sky or whatever, but so that I I think they got it because I oh, they talked did, to that yeah. guy afterwards and he said they got one widgeon and I was pretty sure that was probably yeah. the one that no Brandon won. saw saw them shoot it okay. he watched it the whole way okay because we started to go around the, the the bushes to go take chief and and look for it and you know as it was sailing towards them um, they just cleaned it up so honestly I'm thinking so maybe my lesson learned there is you know if I'm all the way on the right. I don't need to take, and there's six or seven or eight birds, I don't need to take the rightmost bird, <laughs> right? Yeah, not, <laughs> not if it's going to throw you off balance to the point you fall over. So, And that is, you know, you know, that's potentially the shot call, too. Like I said, I was trying to wait for them to land. And at the last second when I realized that it, either they're going to have to do something different or they're not going to land and we're not going to shoot these six widgeon. And after we've spent you know uh, a full day in the marsh, you, you're not going to, we don't want to pass and like let them circle one more time. You, you've seen the means where it's just one more pass when they've pretty much committed to, I mean, 25 yards. I don't think that they're, we're going to have a closer shot than 25 yards. If they circled again, usually they circle a little higher and then, or sometimes they do finish. Or they would circle again and one of those other yeah. groups would have shot at them. Yeah. Cause there was, there was three groups in ponds on this public area. So, and it was all free roam, free access, all that kind of stuff. Um, so anyways, uh, that was the cherry on the top, that widgeon, because that's, I mean, just the second widgeon I've ever shot. And that uh, was a nice-looking bird. Yeah, for, especially for early season. I mean, it looks looks pretty cool, um, the blue bill and, and the coloration on it compared to, you know, it's it, it's just a cool bird. So I'll put a picture of that one up on, on the Fellowship, too, so people can see it. But, um, yeah, um, after that, we got on the road, and here we are on our way back. So, um you know, I like like we said at the beginning, um, we do strive to do our best to to get on the ducks, and when the, when you don't, you just try to you know curb your attitude <laughs> and be happy about all you know the, just the fact that we get to come out here. It's duck season. We're shooting ducks. Um, we got some cool mixed bags, and you know you get to do it with pops. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. You got any kind of closing words or thoughts? Uh, well, you know, I guess, um, I'll just say that I'm, I'm glad you invited me to come on this trip and, you know, it was, it was really enjoyable. So I don't know, we, we had this kind of this conversation while we were talking around the campfire, but I don't know if the, you know, people my age, 60 something, would normally after <laughs> after years or decades of duck hunting w- would they go on a trip like this you know a 61 year old guy go on a trip where you just run yourself totally ragged but i like we said i i've only been duck hunting a few years i've done other kinds of hunting and i so i'm still trying to experience all of the things yeah so yeah 
So it was good. I I don't know that I'll do something like this again and run myself. Not this crazy. You want the the easy ones where we show up at <laughs> right. at six thirty and on Friday night and say, "Hey, we got a great spot for Saturday morning. You want to come?" Yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you came too because it is. You know, I, I think I've told you before. I'm talking about other marshes or whatever. I'm like, you got to experience it once and yep. and come out here. And so you, you did. So I do wish the duck numbers were a little bit better, but even the ones we had, it was like just enough that, um, you know, it kept it interesting, kept it fun, but it by no means was it bangers. So, yep. um, but yeah, definitely, definitely super cool and excited that we'll, you know, have this memory for years to come to look back on videos and all that too. So, yep. Alrighty, folks. Well, that's all for today's podcast. Uh, stick, stay tuned, though, because this isn't the end. We're going to be keeping after uh, chasing the openers. There'll definitely be some more of these series from the road. So this one's just the two-part series. I know Iowa had four, um, but we probably ran ourselves a little ragged, <laughs> like you said, uh, and just you know, uh, just everything time and uh, the ability to do it and rain and and just keeping going kept us from getting a third one here in the middle so we just combine it in the two but um anyways guys i'm jordan duck and chronicles dad duck and dad and we'll see you guys on the next one